Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove in the historic synagogue across from the Art Museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tikvotdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week, or contact us on our website, tikvotisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. My brothers and sisters, you're doing a good job. Keep going. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Rabbi David, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm working on. You don't know that I'm doing a good job. To which I say, you have a solid point. But let me tell you this. God is faithful to complete the work he began in you and through you. And I know you're working on something. And I know you're praying for something. And I know you've probably had a rough go of it at times. Or perhaps you're waiting for the redemption of a challenging situation. But you are working on something. You are praying for something. And that is your avodah. Prayer, worship, service of the heart, and vocational work. And I want to encourage all of us this morning to keep going. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, My beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Say that with me. Your labor is not in vain. The labor, the avodah, the prayer, the worship, and the work, and the toil is not in vain. So keep going. Your labor is not in vain. Your prayers, your service, it matters. <laughs> it is not in vain. So why should we keep going? Well, I have a couple ideas. Number one, God delights to work in and through humans. He loves it. I don't know why. It's not what I would do, but I'm not God. He loves to work in and through us. But there's a weirdness about that because why? We are in process and we make mistakes. Therefore, if you combine those two, are you still with me? This is the logic thing. God delights to work in and through humans who are in process and make mistakes. They go together, right? If you're, it's like A, B, then A plus B equals C. Therefore, God is working out something that is beautiful and good in and through humans that make mistakes and are in process. In the movie, The Karate Kid, 
Daniel LaRusso decides he wants to learn karate to defend himself from bullies. So when he begins his training with Mr. Miyagi, he doesn't seem to learn any actual karate moves. All he does is menial labor for Mr. Miyagi, chores that apparently his sensei felt were more important than actually training him in karate. Paint the fence, wax on, wax off. But occasionally, he would uh, say something about Daniel's technique in these menial tasks, right? No, don't just, you know, do this, you know, wax on, really put your elbow into it, right? And uh, finally, Daniel, after a while of this, he gets fed up. He goes, I'm just your slave. We had a deal. You're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn. I haven't learned anything. I've learned how to sand your decks, wax your car, paint your fence, So Mr. Miyagi asked him to show him the moves, one by one. And he says, uh, show me sand the floor. So he starts to get down. He's like, no, 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 no. Show me, (laughs) show me standing upright. Show me the moves. So he does it. He's like, okay, this is what I was doing. And he, he goes through all the moves. And then suddenly, Mr. Miyagi attacks him. And what does Daniel do? What does he have? He's got muscle memory, right? He has learned self-defense through his listening to and obeying his teacher, his sensei, his rabbi, even when it didn't make sense and even when it didn't seem to have any purpose. So Daniel, after this, when he realizes what he's actually learned, what do you think he does? He was about ready to throw in the towel. He keeps going. That's what we need to do. We need to keep going because the Lord is a good sensei. The Lord is a good rabbi. The Lord is a good teacher. And he's got us in some sort of holding pattern sometimes, right? (laughs) Like, Lord, why am I doing this? Wax on, wax off. It's boring. doesn't make any sense. But he's training us up. We're his students. He's using the circumstances of our life to show us things, to teach us, because he is our rabbi. He is our teacher. Two weeks ago, we had a guest speaker, Pastor Lee Mitchell. If you weren't here, I encourage you to listen on our podcast or on YouTube, because I I found it very encouraging. Here was a, a Christian pastor who really understood our own vision here of Messianic Judaism at Tikvot Israel. It was really remarkable. But I wanted to also unpack for a moment one of his main points. He reminded us of something. He said, God is looking for, and do you remember what he said? Great faith. Yes, I think that's true. Now, we might think that great faith means we have to muster up this great faith, like like stir it up. But another way to translate the Hebrew word for faith in the Bible, with the Hebrew word is emunah, is trust. God is looking for great trust is another way we could say that. And trust isn't something that we muster up. Trust is something that we give up. Trust is something that we surrender. Let's think about this story from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9. And a man from the crowd answered him, teacher, 
I brought you my son who has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. I told your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. In answering them, he said, O faithless, trustless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to Yeshua. When the spirit saw him, immediately it threw the boy into a convulsion. The boy fell to the ground, began rolling around, foaming at the mouth. Yeshua asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Since he was a child, the man answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. If you can. (laughs) You can hear that, right? If? Really? All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out, and I love this, I believe, then what does he say? Help my unbelief. Wow. What a great prayer. Lord, I believe you. I trust you. But not all of me, right? We're all in process. We're all imperfect. So why don't we pray that to the Lord? Lord, I believe, but also I kind of (laughs) don't. So help me with the unbelief so I can get all the way there. When Yeshua saw that a crowd was gathering fast, he rebuked the unclean spirit, telling it, I command you, deaf and mute spirit, come out of him and do not ever enter him again. Sometimes we need to ask the Lord to help us in our unbelief. And we give him all the trust that we have right now, and he meets us where we are. There are a lot of things that have happened to me, blessings that have happened to me that I doubted would ever happen. In my 20s, I doubted that I would ever find a wife that would love me and have amazing strengths that I didn't have. But here we are. In my 30s, I doubted that I would ever finish my schooling to become a rabbi because I took one class at a time and it seemed to take forever. It took me 13 years. They should have given me a bar mitzvah at the end of it. But here we are. There are things that I'm doubtful about now. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I don't see how this could even be possible. But then I say what? Help me in my unbelief. Because I kind of do trust you. I kind of do. So help me with the part that doesn't. Bring me, bring me the whole way. And there are things in my heart for this congregation, for this city, and Yeshua helps me in my unbelief. Our faith doesn't have to be great within us. When God is looking for great faith, what does that mean? He's looking for great trust. Moreover, Yeshua said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, right, you can move mountains. Si tuviera fe como un grano de mostaza. Eso lo dice el Señor. Si tuviera fe como grano de mostaza. Eso lo dice el Señor. Y la montaña se moverá. Se moverá. La montaña se moverá. Se moverá. Se moverá. You guys aren't singing with me. Okay. (laughs) We can move mountains with a little bit of faith. So God is looking for great faith, but he's also looking for 
A little bit. Just a, just a mustard seed amount. God is looking for great faith, which can really be small faith. Great trust, which can be us admitting when we need him to help us with that trust. Another way we can translate emunah besides faith and trust is faithfulness. Faithfulness means continuing to set our hands to the plow, to be obedient to what God has called us to do, to put in the hours, doing wax on, wax off, even if it's tedious, <laughs> because that is the training that God has for us. It reminds me of this story from the Gospels. Now, Yeshua went out from there, and he comes to his hometown, and his disciples follow him. When Shabbat came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many listeners were amazed, saying, where did this fellow get these things? What's this wisdom given to him? Such miracles are done by his hands. Isn't this the carpenter? The son of Miriam, the brother of Jacob and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Aren't his sisters here somewhere? And they took offense at him. Then Yeshua began saying to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house. He was not able to do any miracle except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Did you catch that? He was astonished at their unbelief, their untrust. And he was going around among the villages teaching. He was not able to do any miracle except for a few. Who is the he in this, by the way? The son of God? The lion of Judah? The cloud rider in Daniel 7? The visible image of the invisible God of Israel who made heaven and earth? That Yeshua? Is that who this is talking about? He wasn't able to do any miracles. Yeshua did not always see success. The flourishing of the kingdom of God immediately, everywhere he went. So why should we expect it? Are we better than him? Are we more full of more faith than the son of God? Are we more faithful? Are we more powerful than he is? Absolutely not. But God is looking for great faithfulness to do the work. It didn't stop him. It didn't work in his hometown. What did he do? He kept going. <laughs> he wasn't discouraged. He knew he was about his father's business. God is looking for great faithfulness, avodah, for us to do the work of blessing others, praying for others for healing. Are they all going to get healed immediately when we pray? It wasn't for him. <laughs> it's okay. We're in process. But he still asked us to do it, to step out a little bit in faith, to trust him in spite of the apparent failures or even the apparent successes. We should be faithful to do what he's called us to do. Sometimes I have a sense of a word of encouragement for someone and they might reject it and they, it might not resonate with them. And that's okay. I'm trying to operate in the gift 
of the Holy Spirit that I felt the Lord gave me to give folks a word of encouragement, a word of knowledge from, from the scriptures or something like that. But it doesn't always work. Maybe I heard wrong. It's possible. We see through a mirror darkly, right? I'm not a perfect prophet. Or maybe it was for them, but they're not ready to receive it. And maybe they're not ready to receive it through me. Maybe they have an offense against me and they're, they're like, well, but they're going to hold on to it. And then later it will bless them. So I don't always have to see success to know that I'm doing what God told me to do. Just be faithful to it. I've told this story before, but I'd, I'd like to share again what happened when I started a Torah study for Jewish men, some of whom were recent followers of Yeshua and some of whom were not yet. So I started my group about four years ago with the blessing of the other leaders, and I called it Exploratora. I had met two Jewish guys at Needle's Eye, which I've mentioned a couple times. There's a local parachurch ministry here. And I, I attended this group a couple times, and so I, I met those guys. Let's call them Abraham and Isaac, okay? So Abraham had attended the group for many years, probably about seven or eight years, before coming to faith in Yeshua. The group of guys that he met with, this, these were businessmen, they just loved him. And they said, hey, you're Jewish. You could teach us about the Old Testament. Do you think he knew about the Old Testament? No. <laughs> sort of, you know, most Jews are pretty secular. But what did that cause him to do? That caused him to read the Bible so that, so that he could share with them. And that caused him to start thinking about the Bible and reading the New Testament as well. That was part of his process. And he eventually did come to faith in Yeshua after many years of connecting with Needle's Eye. I was able to connect with him over coffee a couple times, and I encouraged him in the Lord as well. He later told me that when I shared with him about God's faithfulness in the Hebrew Bible, how the New Testament is a continuation of this other story, when I shared that with him, he said that was very encouraging and helpful to him to coming to faith in Yeshua. I didn't know that. I was just talking to him and sharing with him from what I felt was in my heart to share. But later he told me that was helpful. And the leader of Needle's Eye at the time, Buddy Childress, who spoke here, was the one who actually led him to faith in Yeshua. He was there and, and he prayed that prayer. But I got to be a part of that. So Abraham and Isaac were recent followers of Yeshua and were excited to study with me. We would meet every week or every other week, and honestly, it was one of the highlights of, uh, of my week. Often it was just me and Abraham, because Isaac was busy a lot, but I learned so much. It was me and one other Jewish guy that had recently come to faith for about four years, and we just did this week after week. And I would invite other Jewish men that, that maybe were not yet followers of Yeshua and they would maybe come once, but that was it. But this was what I felt like the Lord put on my heart to do. And it didn't seem like it was gaining any traction. It didn't seem like it was bearing any fruit, but it was. You know what I mean? It was. Because I was learning a lot, and I was seeing the questions that Abraham asked. Because he was asking questions that a lot of other Jewish men were asking. Well, how do you know that the scripture is reliable? 
How do you know that this Genesis story, Adam and Eve or the flood, how do you know that this really happened? Do you think it really happened? And like, why is that? So it caused me to kind of learn about apologetics and how to defend my own faith and understand the, the, the truth of the scriptures so that I could share with him. And uh, there were other things that I learned. And I know he got a lot out of it as well. When I was ordained as a rabbi last year, Abraham and Isaac wanted to take me out to dinner to celebrate. And so it was Abraham, Isaac, myself, and another Jewish man who I guess I will call Yaakov, Jacob, right? So there we are, the three patriarchs and me, <laughs> sitting and talking. All four of us share testimonies of how God literally saved our lives at one point. All of us. It was amazing. I really felt the presence of the Lord. And Jacob piped up because I said, I think we should start, you know, when we start again, start in Genesis and go through that. And Jacob said, I really want to learn about the New Testament. I want to study the New Testament. And I had to kind of like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> I had never heard a Jewish person say that, you know, but he was excited. And why was he excited? Because the Lord was drawing him and the Lord still is drawing him. And the point is this, if I had given up at some point while just working with Abraham, I would never have seen the fruit and be able to have that opportunity with Jacob. Our labor for God is never in vain. We just have to wait sometimes. We have to wait and we have to be faithful for the fruit. And we have to learn things in the process because we're not, we're not all there yet. So God is like using this process of wax on, wax off to get us to learn certain things so that we can be more effective in our calling and that which he asked us to do. And it's painful sometimes and it's tedious sometimes, but he's a good teacher. I promise you he's a good rabbi. He's much better than me. He's a good teacher. He's faithful. He who is faithful with a little bit will be faithful with much. Yes, God is looking for great faith or even a little bit of faith, but he's really looking for trust and he's looking for faithfulness. He's looking for every aspect of the word, emunah. Stewarding our avodah, our work, is not, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about stewardship. I personally don't always pray and worship and work and serve as I should. None of us do but I keep at it because God is faithful even or especially in my weakness. It's ironic, it's weird, but that's how it works. The primary person with the burden of finishing the job is who? The Lord. It is up to God to draw Jewish people to Messiah Yeshua. It's up to him. It is up to God to bring healing and restoration to his creation, to our city, to our families. But we play a part. We play a part in our avodah, in our work, in our worship, in our prayers, in our serving. One of the most famous of the rabbinic writings, Perkei Avot, says it like this. I think this is really helpful. You are not obligated to complete the work but neither are you free to desist from it. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. There's a tension. 
The new covenant puts it like this. This is from Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's something that God did, right? Amen? (laughs) And this is not from yourselves. Nothing in here that can do that. It is a gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. There's nothing in our avodah that can bring salvation, rescuing the things that God is doing. Then it says, for we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua for good avodah, (laughs) for good things to do, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. He set up this thing for me to do, got me ready or ready enough, and then I'm, you know, walking into it. But he set set it up beforehand. This bima was set up before I got up here. He prepared this bima so that I could have a place to put this paper on. I didn't do that. He's prepared these things for us to do, but it's not us doing them. It's him doing it through and in us, but we get to partner with him. You see the tension there? It's never resolved, but it's beautiful. We can't save ourselves by our great deeds, but God prepared good things for us to do beforehand, before we were even born, so that we can partner with him. It is not up to us but we get to participate in the restoration of the world, in healing, in forgiveness, reconciliation, helping the poor, preaching the gospel. We get to be a part of that. And even when we don't get it perfectly, which is always, (laughs) or don't see immediate success, which is often, God is still sovereign to bring a good result in his time. Remember, God delights to work in and through humans, and humans are in process, and humans make mistakes. Therefore, God delights in you to work in you and through you, through humans that are in process and make mistakes. And God is working something out that is beautiful and good. So let us cling to the Lord through emunah, through trust, obedience, and long-standing faithfulness in our prayers and in our work. Because in this, God is glorified, and he will bring his healing, and he will bring his presence and his radiance, his kavod, and his kingdom to our families and to our work and to our communities. It doesn't all depend on us, but it depends on God's faithfulness, and we get to be a part of it. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. I'd like to close with a song written by Paul Zach, who used to be the worship leader at Redeemer Anglican, which meets here in this building on Sundays. He gave me this sheet music. He's a a good guy, and uh, I'd like us to, to close with this. Please uh, feel free to sing with me. Your labor is not in vain, though the ground underneath you is cursed and stained. Your planting and reaping are never the same. 
But your labor is not in vain Your labor is not unknown Though the rocks they cry out And the seed may grow The place of your toil may not seem like a home but your labor is not unknown For I am with you I am with you I am with you I am with you For I have called you Called you by name Your labor is not in the vineyards you plant will bear fruit The fields will sing out and rejoice with the truth For all that is old will at last be made new The vineyards you plant will bear fruit For I am with you, I am with you you by name. Your labor is not in vain. The houses you labor to build will finally with laughter and joy be filled. The serpent that hurts and destroys will be killed. And all that is can be healed. For I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, for I have called you, called you by name, your labor is not in vain, for I am I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, for I have called you, called you by name, your labor is not in Avinu, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your trust, for your faith, which is great. We lean on you, Lord. We don't lean on our understanding. We don't lean on our own strength. We lean on you, Lord. Help us to lean into our weakness because that's where we're strong. We're strong when we're strong in you. And I thank you that you're encouraging us have great emunah, encouraging us to keep going with the things you've given us. And I thank you that you get to end our story. You get to, to have the glory <laughs> and the, to bring about the result that you want. 
of flourishing and healing and restoration through Yeshua. And help us to be encouraged when we're in the thick of it, Lord, to lean on you in those times. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.